0: I thank you for the fact that, um, that for all eternity we will praise your name. Uh, we will do that in, in, in all the wonderful things you will have us doing in your eternity for all eternity for your glory. And that will be the best part of eternity. We'll be, we will be in the glorious presence of you all the time. And, and, and what we get to experience here is just a taste of that. So I pray that as we continue to worship you in your word, that your glory would be revealed to us in new um, and and more glorious ways, Lord, that, that we would not leave here today the same way we walked in, that we would look and smell and taste more like the glorious image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word.
1: Alright, so, Romans ten eight through 21 and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they call uh, or believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will, they, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who believed our message. So faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For everyone in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regardless, Israel, God said, all day long I open my arms to
0: them. But
1: they were disobedient and rebellious.
0: This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you very much, Marcus. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We are in the, um, the, the, this series that we're calling um, The Righteous Revealed in the Gospel of Romans. And I'm going to start off by asking some questions that may sound a little silly. Right? They're going to come up on the screen, but they're also the first talking points question that you have. That's in your insert in your bulletin. Hopefully you grab a bulletin on your way in. We are, if you have not figured this out yet in the morning um, time, we are participatory. I got closer. Church, like we are not spectators. We don't come to church on Sunday to simply spectate. We come to participate. Um, And so we want to provide those opportunities as much as we can in our time of prayer, obviously in music, but also in our teaching time. So you will be better off in your walk if you will participate as I'm teaching. So that would include taking notes, that would include turning in your Bibles, um, that would include uh, following along and and being a part of the conversation that we'll have throughout the message. And and all of that is part of the training that we want to be a part of at Cross Train. We don't just want to come, and, and we want to come and seek and soak in the glory of God, but we also want to be better trained to share that glory with other people. So here's a question I would ask. What is your favorite restaurant? What is your favorite restaurant? I'm, I'm asking. Pizza. No, I, I, pizza's not a restaurant. What is your favorite restaurant? Chili's? I heard of Chili's. Why is Chili's your favorite restaurant, Kamala? Or no, who said it? I'm sorry, Zoe said it. Sorry. It's what? It's good. It's good. Okay, awesome. Who, what else? Who else? Favorite restaurant? Oh Marcus, what do you got? Oh, I'm not, I'm not even going to ask why because... Because that was so obvious, my, my mom's kitchen, that was so obviously a chance at getting brownie points, no pun intended. Um, all right, how about, um, how about ice cream? How? What is your favorite brand or flavor of ice cream? Oh, yeah. Okay, I got a chocolate. Jan, why is chocolate your favorite? It's yummy. It's yummy. Okay, we're deep thinkers here, but that's okay. It's just ice cream. There's not a lot of deep thought that goes into ice cream. Fair enough. What, who, what, who, 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 who likes something other than chocolate? Vanilla. Vanilla. Why vanilla? Cause it's tasty, okay? More deep. How about okay? How about our favorite Marvel superhero? Uh, You just you could not wait to get to that, could you, Mark? Jeff Dawkins. He is super, uh, super duper daddy. Anyway, um, he looks a little bit like um, Mr. Incredible. What? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Iron Man. Why is Iron Man your favorite character? Oh, I oh Spider Man. You said you said spider-man why is spider-man your favorite character brandy <laughs> what okay best comic i mean lucas or lucas luke could just start rattling these up best comic books best suit he's all, he's just awesome like all, all good how about um how about let's get a little more educational how about our favorite founding father or favorite uh person in our nation's history who benjamin rush okay so why Because he's your what? Okay, because he's she's related. He's Benjamin Rush is is Teresa's fourth great grandfather. I didn't know that was a thing. Go ahead, Sir Sir Isaac Newton. Wow. Okay, that's why. Why 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 would that be, Parker? He invented the law of gravity. Awesome. Well, he didn't exactly invent it, but he certainly explained it. And oh, by the way, he was a Christian, which is pretty cool. So um, so that's a good one, guys. I could, uh, we could carry this on, and I could talk about what's your favorite sports team. Yes, we know, John, it's the Eagles. Um, we could say, um, we, could, we could say, what's, our, what's your favorite sport? We could, say, we could even get a little like feisty and say, um, what's your favorite political party, or who's your favorite candidate for president, or who's your? And 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 here's my point: we would have no problem engaging in that conversation like like we might depending on the intensity level we might get a little uncomfortable but we will jump into and readily share things that we are that we love if i love this restaurant you're gonna tell your friends about it right if or things that um you're passionate about but also things that you feel like are gonna make a difference or are beneficial so whether it be sharing, like, one-on-one in conversation, whether that be um, around the dinner table, whether that be even on your social media feed, like, we, we have no problem sharing those kinds of things. Things we love, things we're passionate about, things we think that will benefit others, ways of correcting people that we think are are maybe wrong, and we, we want to bring them into our way of thinking. And yet, you mentioned Jesus, and all of a sudden, everybody in the room goes... I'm not going to talk about him. He might be divisive. It might be scary. I might get rejected. They might disagree with me. Like, I mean, all the stuff that, that I'm guessing you prayed about even during the time that Jeff led us through in, in that prayer time. And we're going to be talking about that today. Is why do we hesitate to, if we really believe the gospel, if we really believe the cross, if we really believe what we just sang in that last hymn? about Jesus and all he is and all he went through and all he did for us, if we really believe that, should we not be more passionate? Should we not be more excited? Should we not see it as the most beneficial thing we could possibly share with people? And yet we struggle to share it. It's because part of it, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, and we'll get there, but part of it is we have bought, we, we need to just get rid of this lie that, that, that we don't talk about religion. You know who spun that lie? Satan did. Right? Like, I mean, so we just need to get over that. Like, we need to tell people about Jesus if we really believe in him. And that's ultimately what the message is about today. So we're going to be talking about this idea of the clarity of our call. So last week, we talked about the clarity of our confession when we were in Romans chapter 10. We're going to pick it up kind of where we left off and repeat a few things today. But the reason I'm calling this the clarity of our call is sort of to juxtapose, juxtapose it to the idea of, ...on um, the mystery of the call and the mystery of the method that we looked at in Romans chapter 9. That exactly how all of this, salvific, this salvation process works, there are parts of it that we cannot understand. God's call, our responsibility, all of that stuff. But there's also parts of it that are crystal clear. And Romans 10 is a pretty crystal clear part. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. And Paul is going to pound that, and he's going to continue to pound that in us today. So what we're going to talk about is, okay, so in light of that, if, if that really is a clear message, how can we be a people who get better at clearly communicating that message? How can we be a people who are, who are known for bringing clarity to the call to follow Christ and not confusion? Or how can we even just be known as a people who actually encourage people to follow Jesus? right? Like, so, and, he, and Paul's going to show us three ways— one, we have to be people that say so. Two, we have to be people that act like sent ones. And the last part is, we have to be people that show him off. So we're going to jump into Romans chapter 10, and we're going to ask the question, so how can we be a people that bring clarity? So we're going to, first point, we're going to be those who say so, who say we're Christians. We have to, We guys, if, if you are a follower of Christ, Jesus is not, um, He is not wishy-washy about this. He says, if you deny me before others, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. We want to wipe that part out of our Bibles because it does not sound very Jesus-y. Because we've we've made Jesus this very loving, like he is gentle, he is lowly, he is loving, he is accepting, he is inviting, he is all those things. He's also the one who said that, that if you say you follow me, you need to tell people you follow me unashamedly now paul's life was lived that way so let's pick we're going to pick it up in verse eight we kind of covered a few of these verses last week you can always catch up if you weren't here last week um you can always catch up by listening to the podcast or going online to our website and our messages are there as well um but look at what he says in verse eight he says but what does it say so he's saying what does it the message of the gospel say it says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we proclaim. That is the gospel that we proclaim. And you remember we talked last week and you even read during your daily readings that go along with the Sunday messages. They're in your bulletin. It's what the email, the In the Word Today email gets sent out. Um, but last one of your readings this last week was Deuteronomy 30. What Paul is doing is he is pulling the argument that Moses made 1,400 years before Jesus even came. 1,400 years before Jesus comes, before, they even, before God's people enter the promised land. Moses preaches these three sermons one of them the last one he preaches in Deuteronomy chapter 30 is he said he he says guys you don't have to go up to heaven to find God you don't have to go down to Sheol to find God Paul quotes that in the verses that we covered last week he says the word is near you he's like God has made it clear he's saying this is Moses speaking and all Paul's doing is pulling is he's pulling it forward he's he's taking he's saying guys this has only ever been the story it's only been one story The story Moses told you about how to get saved is the same thing I'm telling you. Moses said it this way. I lay before you a choice, blessing or curse, life or death. So choose life that you might live. Paul says it this way. He says, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So he's taking this idea, because what Moses said, is he said, I'm laying before you blessing and curse, life and death. Choose life. He's saying, here's, how you, here's what choosing life looks like. Love God with your whole heart and obey him. Well, Paul says it this way. He says, with the heart you believe, so you love God. You've, you've come to understand and believe God, and with the mouth you, you confess your obedience. That's how we claim obe- like, like obedience to somebody. Or alignment with somebody. It's why, and when Carrie and I got married 27 years ago, or almost 27 years ago, we at the ceremony and and every pretty much. So Mark and um, Chloe just got married. It's only been it's only been like two months now, right? It's just like almost the anniversary. Your two month anniversary, a little bit before, yeah. So anyway, so two months ago, they stood in front of each other and they used the words "I do." They didn't just think it. Right, I didn't just stand up there as I was doing their ceremony and go, you know what? I, I know you guys love each other, and so that we're good here. Let's just go. I, I looked at Mark and I said, Mark, if you believe, if, if if you're committing to this relationship, show everybody that you're committing to this relationship. How? By thinking it? No, by saying, "I do." Right? It's, uh, Paul Paul is saying, if if we really believe, say it. Be a person who says it. Say. I do. I do believe. Like, I am a follower of Christ. We keep going. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who come to him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul goes back and forth with this Jew and Greek thing, a lot. and Jew and Gentile thing a lot. It's in his world, the world that he was writing to, it was full of believers that were divided kind of into two. They either were Messianic Jews. They were Jews that had come to faith in Jesus. Or they were non-Jews, just Gent everybody else. That's every other ethnic group who came to faith in Christ. So in Paul's world, that was his way of just saying everybody. Regardless of whether you came out of Judaism or you were just a complete pagan, you all came to faith in Christ the same way. And he's going to push that hard as we look at Romans 11 next week. But right now, it's his way of going, but everyone who says they believe, everyone who comes to believe in Christ, will be saved. This is nothing new to Paul. Paul is saying the gospel is to go to all people. Keep your finger in Romans 10, go back to Romans 1. Romans 1, 16, and 17. This was the theme of the whole book of Romans. If we confess with our mouth, I'm sorry, um, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. He says to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it, for in the gospel, in the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now turn to chapter 2, verse 9. So this is just Paul. He's been, I mean, we, we covered this a year ago. So this is just Paul pulling, like he's been building an argument from chapter 1. He says, there is tribulation and distress for every human, whether they're jew or greek who does evil but there's glory and honor and peace for everyone whether jew or greek for those who do good for god shows no partiality why why doesn't god play favorites why does god want the gospel to go to all the world and why does god hold the gospel back from nobody here's why go to chapter 3 verse 21 paul's making the argument i'm not he's saying He's saying, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So he's saying, God's goodness, God's righteousness, our ability to be made right by God, is, is has been made clear apart from what Moses wrote through the law. But th- though the law and the prophets talk about it or bear witness to it, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus for all who believe. There's that all again. For there is no distinction He's like everybody, like the, the gospel call goes out to everybody, all kinds of people. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And if we are saved by because we because we've come to realize that all that we have, that not just all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but Doug has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That Mark has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? That, that everybody here, the littlest among us, was born a sinner who falls short of the glory of God. And for those of you that have little ones right now with you, you have no doubt of that. You have no doubt that your children were born little rebels. That's, all, that's what it means to be a sinner. We are rebels by, by heart. We want what we want. And there is nobody in the world that is more that way than a toddler. Right? But, but most of us are just like adult versions of that. But Paul, who was in Corinth when he writes Romans, he says to the church, the, the, one, of the, one of the best known verses in, in the letters he writes to the church at Corinth is, if anyone is in Christ, so 1 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is past and the new has come. Man, we will, we will own that one. I am a new creation in Christ. And we should own it. But thats we can't just stop there. He continues. He says, not only is the old passed away, the new has come. He says that all of this, this, this salvation was from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And now get this, guys. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's saying he saved us so that we could go tell other people about how to get saved. That is... In in Christ, God has reconciled the world to Himself. That means He's brought us back to peace with God. That was Romans five, by the way. Not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting the message, to, uh, but entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are guys. This is your job description as a Christian. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are to be His representatives on the planet, guys. As. You want to talk about the mystery, God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. I can't get my mind around that at all. Here's what I can't, here's, but bigger thing than that, how in the world did, did the sovereign God of the universe decide in his plan that he's going to trust Doug or he's going to trust Abby or he's going to trust Mo or anybody with, he's going to trust us with taking his message of his love to a world? That ought to blow our minds. Right, He didn't trust it to Al Gore and the internet. He trusted it to his people. We are his only plan. We're it. That ought to scare us a little bit. Unless we understand he is really in control of all things. But guys, you are his plan for taking the good news to the world. As crazy as that may sound from our perspective. So now look at your, your second talking points question. So, in light of that, how open and eager are you at sharing your salvation in Christ? We all struggle with this, and we and we talk about this a lot at Cross Training. And we all we even talk about the obstacles for why we don't share fear, and I mean we we we've, we've discussed that as a group a lot. So I want to skip that and not talk about the struggles let's talk about things that help and i and, and i didn't know what jeff had planned for prayer today at all but his the prayer time should have primed you for some really good answers to this question so what are some ways like what are some things that should help you share your faith because we want to mutually edify one another we want to encourage each other This isn't just me encouraging you. This is us encouraging each other. So give a brother or sister in the room some encouragement. How do you share your faith? Like what helps you share your faith? Opportunity. Opportunity. What does that mean? So if you, you, I know you can't hear like, um, you couldn't all hear Jen, but she said she was in the grocery store. She saw a woman that was troubled. So first she has eyes. To, this was one of the things we pray has eyes to see. Walked into it going, I need eyes to see. She sees this woman. She asked her, What's going on? She says she's just having some health troubles. She then asked a question, How can I pray? For, can I pray for you right now? Right, like like the, the, the eyes to see and just and just and then a willingness to step into the moment. What else? What else helps you show your faith? Building a relationship with that person, like what, what would that mean? So like might need to put in time Good. So to to build relationship with people, you know that there, there is something there is there is a, a a real a large chunk of truth to the concept of relationship evangelism. In the context, and we'll get to the part about faith comes from a hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. In the context of you need to build, you, to, to get credibility, especially in the day and age we live in now. You want to, not all the time. There are times where you just go, I'm going to just go up and tell somebody about Jesus. That's okay too. But, but there are also lots of times where you need to be building into relationship and helping that person see, hey, I care about you. Like I, I genuinely care and am willing to help you. Now, because I care, let me tell you about the most important thing in my life. Like, and, let, and let the Holy Spirit orchestrate that. Good. Any others? I don't listen. Listening. What, what, how does that help you share your faith, Mo? So if you could, so Mo said when I listen to someone's I listen I listen to someone's struggles I can then share my struggles and what's happened to me and how I've like my life has been given to Christ how I've turned my life to Christ Paul puts it this way to the church at Corinth the God of all comfort will comfort you in your struggles to Mo's term so that you can in turn comfort those he puts in your path right that's part of how he so that's if you, and many of you are in the midst of a struggle right now. Right, And so if you're in the midst of a struggle right now, there could be the why behind why you are could simply be because somewhere down the road, God has you, he's going to cross your path with somebody who needs to hear about a God who showed up in your struggle. Does that make sense? And and, that, and so that's sometimes the only why we get about why we're in struggles. A couple other things I wrote down. Um, free, here's some just practical ways of, of and, and I've stolen these from different, Um, books that I've read and stuff one frequent the same locations go to the same supermarkets go to the same coffee shops go like, like like a go to your go to the same gym like like and as you're doing that be looking for the same faces so have eyes to see train like so that you're engaging with people one that I'm horrible at, though, but, but it's really powerful, especially in that kind of evangelism, that kind of sharing your faith. L- remember people's names. And when you ask them questions, remember some part of their story. So if I, if I say, how you doing today? And they, and they tell me something, well, I have a, like, I, and, and the barista at the coffee shop says, well, I have this big exam coming up. If I can remember her name, and, I can, and, I, and then the next time I'm in there, I can go, hey, Lori, how how'd you do on that exam? I was praying for that. Like, it is amazing how that accelerates that even just momentary relationship building. Um, So that's another one. Another one I wrote down was obviously um, praying. I know this was something that Lori has challenged me on a few times was um, as you're getting ready to walk into one of those places or walk onto your school campus or walk into your place of work or be praying. Lord, like, give me eyes to see. Give me boldness of opportunity to share because it focuses your attention back on him and on other people so be praying ahead of time as you enter into those spaces and then the big one and we have cards that have a little qr code now that make it really easy to just say how can i pray for you or if you need prayer hey we have a church that believes in the power of prayer we have a church that believes that god answers prayer and if you just want to if you if you want to either share it with me or go to our website and enter your prayer request our church will pray for you and we have cards out on the connect table um, that will help with that. But guys, all, whatever ideas we were to come up, we, we could come up with, and we could keep sharing them, and we should. And we're, and we're in the training center, we're going to be offering classes on apologetics and evangelism and, and just trying to get, get us better at this sharing our faith idea. But guys, all of that, whatever the ideas are, they have to be an overflow of what's, what God is doing in your life, right? Like, like you can't share a Jesus you're not walking with. Right, you can and and and, and 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 maybe for some and for the obvious is if you're not saved, you can't really you can if you're not a follower of Christ, you can't tell some you can't lead someone else to being a follower of Christ. But if you're a dried up sponge on the back of your kitchen sink, because that's just where you're at in your walk with Jesus, you're not. There's nothing left for you to share. Right, you've got to soak a little bit, and so it's an overflow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. It's not a. I, I got to just squeeze one more conversation out of an already crazy day, right? To try to because I'm supposed to be sharing Jesus with people, and that leads us to our second point. So, the, so if we're looking at how can we bring clarity to the conversation, one, we need to be those that say so. Two, we need to be those that act like sent ones. So we're back in Acts, or we're back in Romans 10, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. He says, "How then?" So now what he's saying is, so so if it's true. That everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now he's like, so that seems like a pretty pressing thing to tell people about. Right? So now he's like, so how will they call on him? How will they call on Jesus if they have not believed? And how will they believe in him if they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? Guys, now the word preaching there doesn't mean preacher. It's It's not a job title it means proclaimer that's the word there in the greek so it's all of us as christians are proclaimers of christ and i and i hit that in the introduction that ultimately guys we are god's only plan for spreading the gospel jesus's plan for continuing the mission was to multiply himself into 12 ordinary dudes so that they could go out and multiply the gospel to the kingdom into other people. And we are here today, 2,000 years later, because it works. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Because the Roman Empire that was in control when Jesus was alive isn't around anymore today. The Soviet Union isn't a thing anymore today. Right? There are, like, like All kinds of, of national political movements have come and gone throughout world history for really... 7,000 years. But for 2,000 years, the gospel has gone forward life on life. And it's still here today. Because it works, but it's on us. And you say, how, would a, how does a sovereign God... Do that. Well, the same God who is sovereign over who's gonna actually believe the message is also sovereign over the ones who are gonna take the message, the method he's gonna use. He has ordained the means by which people will come to believe. And this, and the crazy part I mentioned earlier is you and I are it. We are the means by which others are gonna believe. So let's keep going. In verse 15, it says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Guys, we are as Christians, we are sent ones. This is not a Paul thing. This is not a book. This is a Jesus thing. In John 20, John, John chapter 20, I think it's 2021, it's after he, after he rises, but before he ascends, he shows up to his um, disciples, and he says, the first thing he says to them is, peace be with you, which right there is, I mean, he's like, because this is going to get hard, so peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. You're a sent one. If you're in Christ, you are sent. We have turned it into sit. But Jesus said, no, I am sending. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And here's what's interesting. Paul makes it really clear when he, when he quotes Isaiah, and he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Well, what, what, for you? Yes, I know he's quoting Isaiah, but whether it was Isaiah in 700 BC or Paul, right here in Romans, what's what's feet have to do with gospel sharing? Well, here's what feet have to do. It's going. Right? He said it's implying movement. So right from out, right from the get-go, it's like, get out, let's go. Come on. We got to get moving. And he keeps so let's keep going. He says, but they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, the Lord, our Lord, who has believed what what they have heard from us? And he's quoting Isaiah 4. Um, 53 like the beginning of that messianic psalm and he says so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ guys get this I, i there's a there's a quote i don't even know that he actually said it um, but does uh, Francis of Assisi or Assisi, depending on how you've heard it. He says, you've heard this quote maybe applied to him. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. I understand what is meant by that. What is meant by that is live the love of the gospel. Like live, live the gospel message out loud. You need to use words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that Christ is the Savior. Apart from that... There is not faith. Now, that word can come in different ways in different parts of the world at different times through visions where the word is not allowed in places like Iran. But we're not in Iran. We have the word. We have the ability to go out and tell people about Jesus, and we need to use the word. Keep your finger in Romans. I'm going to take the time to do it. Turn to the right of where we are. You're going to go past the, the rest of Paul, most the rest of Paul's letters. You're going to get to all the T's. Thessalonians, Timothy. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this. I charge you, so I'm starting in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. This is, these are the last words that the guy who wrote Romans writes before he gets executed. He says... The living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. So he is like, like Paul is bringing all the weight to bear. Like he is like like, this is the most important thing I can tell you, Timothy. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. And guys, this is happening as we speak in some of the largest churches in America today. But, having, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. They want to they, they believe that the way they're living is okay, so they're going to find teachers that are going to say the way you're living is okay. I will turn away from listening to the truth and I will wander off to and they will wander off to myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Guys, now before we are too quick to just sort of offload that, like to say, well that's like that's not my ministry, that's Paul's ministry, that's Tim's ministry, that's Doug's ministry, maybe that's Jeff's ministry or the elders' ministry. That is our ministry. Right. If if God's end game, if you're sitting here right now and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're in church on a Sunday, I know there are people that are here that are not followers of Christ. I don't know who they are. I'm just saying uh, the the statistics would say so. But if you're here and you are a believer of Jesus, guys, if his end game was your salvation, what would he have done to you the minute you got saved? Take you home. Because you'll get sanctified way faster there. So this is not just about get you saved and get you sanctified. This is about get you saved, get you sharing, because we're the plan, and in the sharing you'll get sanctified. That's the, that's the deal. Guys, we are on, our, our church's mission is we have a mission to bring glory to God by expanding the kingdom in training people to teach God's truth in the context of redemptive community. But the question becomes, like, how are we doing? How are we going to do that? Well, we have the training center and the different things that it's offering. We have D groups to try to allow, like the Word of God in the context of like of, of community. But ultimately, what it comes down to is you have to know a couple of things. You have to know what to share. Like you need to know the Word to share the Word, and then you need to be in relationship with people. Like you, th- those two things have to happen, and the church is the community where that is supposed to happen. And that leads us to our um, last talking points question. So look at your last talking points question, and we'll begin to land this plane. He says. It says, do you think sharing your salvation and discipling others in Christ is for those other people? If not you, who? If not now, when? That's something that I, I have hit by, we, 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 we use a lot in our family, even for doing chores and stuff. If not you, who? If not now, when? Sharing your faith. If not you, who? Who, who else is supposed to do it? And if not now, When? Right? Like, that's ultimately the thing. And guys, when did we decide, when did Christians decide that the job of sharing our faith was for other people? That we were going to outsource that? And the answer is about the time that we started the mega church thing. That, 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 that church staffs got huge. So instead of having one or two local pastors and small churches that were there to just help teach the word and train God's people to go out and fulfill the mission, we started just hiring more and more people because they're going to fulfill the mission for us. Well, what that did was that created a whole bunch of lazy spectator Christians. And that's the condition, and, and that's what has happened to the church in the West, Right? And so we have got to get back to this idea that, no, it is on us. But, but to do that, we have to overcome a couple of things. So I wrote them down. They're going to come up on the screen. Guys, the church is not meant to be a Christian social club. The church is not meant to be a place where you're just going to feel comfortable. It's not meant to be an activity center for our adults or our children or our youth. It is not meant to be Disneyland. It is not meant to have a fantastic playground. That's not what the church is about. Never has been, never supposed to be, won't find it in scripture. It's not meant to be a political action committee. We will go door to door to get signatures for our favorite um, political candidate. Why will we not walk our neighborhood to talk to people about Jesus? The church will do it. The church will rally people. Guys, we want to fill this place on a Sunday night. You know what we'll do? We won't have a prayer night. You know what we'll have? Is a political rally. It will fill this place. It will. Th- with Christians. That's where we've gotten. We're not meant to be a conservative, moral fellowship filled with righteous do-gooders. We're not here to just white, learn, teach people how to white-knuckle morality themselves into the kingdom of heaven. Because you aren't getting there that way. Like This is not about like, like looking at everybody's like, um, splinter in their eye and calling them out on it. That's not who we are that's not who we were meant to be. We're not meant to be a democracy that is trying to fulfill everyone's preferences. Amen. Right? I get that our music doesn't always satisfy everybody's needs. I get that our prayer time is often too long. I get that I teach for too long to most too many of you. I get that we don't have children's ministry and that's really hard on people. And I get, we can just keep adding things. It's just this is who we've God has called us to be. We have not cornered the market on how to do church. We're not saying this is the only way to do church, but this glorious mess you're looking at right now is what we call cross-trained church, Amen. right? And, 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 we're, and we are not going to come against what we believe God's called us to just to meet the felt needs of some people that maybe would like this thing to feel more comfortable. We, we can't. It's not what the church is supposed to be. And guys, that is not a recent thing for our church, We've been getting hit with that kind of stuff from day one. Every church does. Why can't we just do this? Why can't we have that? Why can't our music be more this way? Why can't our thing be less that way? Fill in the blank. It's just the way it is. It's part of how we are because we all want to sit and spectate in places we feel comfortable. Back to the first thing. Last thing is we're not a spiritual waiting station um, where you're just supposed to tread water until we all get to heaven. Like that's not what we're see – why, see why Sean won't let me be on the music team? But that's – but guys, that's not what we're supposed to be. We're, we're, to, we're to be a training station to go out meet like in a hospital to help the sick, to help the broken, to help the needy, and go out and tell people about Jesus. That's our primary responsibility, to equip the saints for the work of service, for the ministry of the gospel. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. That's what the church is supposed to be about. And that leads us to our last point. We are to be a people. Guys, we're, we're not only supposed to say so. We're not only supposed to act, be sent ones. But we're supposed to show them off. So go back to Romans chapter 10. And we're going to finish up with this. And we'll, and we'll kind of pick this point up and run with it in Romans 11 next week. But look at what he says in verse 18. He says, but I ask you, have they not heard? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone the, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. but I asked did Israel not understand So he's saying so what he's saying is wait a minute,'t didn't, didn't God's people know the truth? And Paul's saying they've always known that they've all it's always ever been one story. And then he says but but didn't they understand And he says yeah because of course they did because Moses said, I will make you jealous over those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Paul is quoting, old, he's saying, he's saying God's people have always known Jesus is the story. They just chose to miss it when he got here. And then he's pulling in this idea of like general revelation, which is the same thing he did in Romans 1. Remember he said the wrath of God is revealed To to, to, to all people, um, for their unrighteousness, because God has made Himself evident to them through what was created. This is Paul's way of saying, guys, it's all all the earth has said that God exists, and that God redeems. All all of the teachings of Moses, general or specific revelation, that's the second half of like Psalm 19, is he says, um, is um, is saying that Jesus is the one that they've been waiting for. And then it says, then Isaiah, then Isaiah is actually so bold as if to say, I, have found, I was found by those who did not seek me. I have, I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Guys, if you're, if you're sitting here today, I'll let you know a little secret. That's you and I. And then he says, but to Israel I say, all day long I have held out my hand to you, a disobedient and contrary people that are going to constantly reject me. And we'll, we'll pick that last thought up next week. But guys, I, I want to come, I, I, wanna, I really want to hit this part hard. What, ultimately, what Paul's trying to convey in this last little section is, before he gets into Romans 11, is he's trying to say, guys, God has always been a God who's clearly made himself known, clearly made the way of salvation known, and clearly offered his hand. God never goes like this. God is never like this going, nope, sorry. Right? God is never shoving someone away. How, Jesus said it this way. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble, or gentle and lowly, depending on your translation. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find soul rest by coming to me, he says. Like, that. that was... That was not new teaching. God has always invited his people to come to him. And if you're sitting here today going, yeah, I don't think so, there's a reason for that. And that's where we're going to finish. Turn to the right of where you are, just a couple of pages. To, to and, we are gonna, and I'm going to finish by reading this section of scripture and praying us out of, out of here and into our time of response and communion. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So Paul at the end of the at the end of Romans 10, Paul says, God has said, you you are rebellious, rejecting people. And that and that begs the question, why? Why? Why are we so quick to be rejecting and rebellious towards God? And Paul tells us in Romans 1, so Romans, I'm sorry, in 1 Corinthians 1. Just to, just to tell you, so he says in First Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18, he says, for the word of the cross is foolishness or folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. How is the word of the cross foolishness? Well, he, to, in the second letter we have that, Rome, that Paul writes to, to um, the church at Corinth, he says in 2nd don't turn there, but in Second Corinthians 4, 4, he says, the God of this world has darkened the eye of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing the glory of Christ that is the gospel. He's saying Satan has darkened the mind of the unbeliever to keep them from seeing that Jesus is the only way of salvation. If you're sitting here today or you have friends today or you're on the internet watching today and you're like this, I'm not interested in this Jesus thing. I'm not interested in church. I'm, it's because Satan is clouding your mind. And how do I know that? First, because it says so right here. And second, because that was me for half of my life. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love for me, for you, when I was dead, made us alive. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish? Oi, buddy. buddy. Oh. <laughs> Has God, and the music team, you guys can come up, by the way. I forgot to tell you that, so that's okay. It was, it was a good interruption. So, so look at verse 21. For since, the, for since the wisdom, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. So he's saying, so it was God's plan that we would not find God by becoming more scientific. Right? Like by, by, by putting up the Hubble Space Telescope, as beautiful as those pictures are, and as a science geek, I love it. He's like, you're not gonna find God that way. You might see evidence, you might see his fingerprint, but you're not gonna find Jesus by looking at a constellation. Right? And he says, that was God's plan. It pleased God through folly, through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. He's like, so it's what I was saying earlier. We are God's plan. It's, that seems crazy. It seemed crazy to Paul. Paul's like, it's just nuts that God would pick this as the plan. He chose the foolish things. He says, so the, the Jews demand a sign. The Greeks uh, um, want to seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jew and a folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, whether they're Jews or Greeks, Christ The power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Remember what we've been talking about through. It seems like all of Romans nine. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Isaiah tells us. That's what Paul's saying here. For I'll finish up with this. For consider your listen. He's talking to you and I. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standard. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things in this world, that's you and I, to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things in this world to shame the strong. And God chose the low and the despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you that I stand amongst a bunch of fools. That that in your great sovereignty and in your great wisdom, you have chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. That you have chosen us to extend the best news the world has ever and could ever hear. That you are a pursuing God of redeeming grace. You've you've entrusted that to us. We We are but jars, cracked jars of clay that leak. But you have put in us a treasure that is priceless. So that we might go out and share it. So Lord, I, I am praying right now for those, specifically I want to pray for those that, that do not yet know. That, that, are, that are putting their hand out and saying, nope, I'm not, I'm not believing that. that. That today would be the day that they would hear your voice and not harden their hearts. That today would be the day that that heart of stone would become a heart of flesh. That today would be the day that they would say, I I am not leaving here today until I have a chance to have a conversation with somebody about about what it means to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I pray for those people today that you would move on their hearts. The Spirit has to do the work that you would move on their hearts to have them be bold enough to do that. And Lord, I pray for those of us that, that do know that we are yours, that our, that would profess you, that, we, that have confessed, and, and we do believe. Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief. I pray that, that in those moments when, when we're doubting our adequacy to step into that spiritual conversation with the person behind the counter or the person in our, our classmate or whatever it would be, Lord, we would recognize we are wholly inadequate. We are fools, but all we have to do is play the fool, and, and you will show up. In that very hour, your Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. There is no, um, there is no gr- greater moment, honestly, in the walk of a believer than when we step out in faith on mission for you and we see you fulfill the promise of, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That lo, I'm with you happens in those moments when we go, therefore, and make disciples. So it helps help us to be a people that, that just embrace our, the, the foolishness that was us apart from you and the glory that is us in you. And that all of it would be for the fame and the glory of your name. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen.
1: I've carried a burden for too long. On my- created to be it alone. I hear your invitation to let it